before I get in the message, I want to do something special right now because tomorrow is a very special day for my husband and I. We are um, having our 15-year wedding anniversary tomorrow, 10-21-2006. And so, babe, instead of a bouquet of flowers, I got you a different type of bouquet. And I actually made it myself. I picked the sticks out of the woods. If you go on my Instagram, you can see that I went in the woods and found these sticks today. <laughs> so it's an IOU and things I'm grateful for bouquet. And so <laughs> there, there's 15 things in here that I'm thankful for for you. And I want to read them to everybody because... Mike Maiden came, and when he prophesied over us, he said, Kayla, you married a good man. And there, it is so true. This man is such a good man. He cares and loves people more than you know. And I want to read to you the 15 things that I'm thankful for you right now. And they're all in here written too. So you can save them forever in your <laughs> homemade bouquet. Number one. You are not trying to be someone else. You are you. Number two, you love God. Number three, you love people. Number four, you are fun and adventurous. Number five, you are bold and courageous. Got kicked off Instagram today. Hello. There's the bold and courageous. Number six, you spoil me. I'm wearing the necklace he got me on our first year anniversary. So beautiful. And I'm wearing my ring that he got me on our 10-year anniversary. He spoils me. Number seven, you are passionate. Number eight, you're a great dad of three amazing kids. Number nine, you're a hard worker. Number 10, you're a faithful. Number 11, you're a great role model. Number 12, you inspire people. Number 13, you're funny. If you don't know yet that he's funny, listen to his message from last Sunday. You'll laugh your face off. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. Number 14, you are strong-willed. And number 15, I'm thankful for you because you love me. So happy 15-year. <laughs> happy 15-year anniversary. Okay. One other thing I want to point out in this bouquet, one of these IOUs says this, you win this argument. So I'm just telling you right now that you want to save that one for a really, really, really good one. Listen, husbands and wives in here, if you don't fight, something might be wrong. <laughs> and if you fight and you feel bad that you fight, don't feel bad. It is bringing the best out in both of you. And so you get to win an argument. <laughs> Someday when you pull that out. Okay, so I'm going to give you this back. Thank you, beautiful Esther. I had to do that. We are going to be celebrating the next couple of days. So we're in the series um, of the Grateful series. Do we have that slide of the series that we're in? The Grateful series. And I hope you really like this message I put together because as I was writing it, I was continually convicted myself. <laughs> so reading through the scriptures, studying, and even writing, I was like, oh my goodness, I have some areas of improvement. And that is always the best way to live in the kingdom of God is never to think you have actually arrived, but continually be asking God, how can I do better? How can I be better? How can I follow you better? And so as I wrote this message, I felt like I was writing it for me. So it's going to be a fun night. 
I'll be preaching to myself as well as all of you and all of you on live stream. And if the person on live stream that was criticizing me, I'm sorry, and you are loved and you're welcome in our church any day. And you can come say hi to us at any time and we will love you all the way through. Um, so I wore this jacket and it says this, turn the praise up. So the kids worship team gave me this and made me this um, when, a few years ago. And I wanted to wear it tonight because every once in a while, if I turn around like this, you all have to yell, turn the praise up, turn the praise up. Cause we're talking about thankfulness and praising God. And I want this atmosphere and this space to be full of faith. I want this atmosphere and this space to be full of God's Holy Spirit, His goodness, His faithfulness. I want His presence to be here. And so we're gonna turn the praise up. Come on, Come on. amen. So I wonder how many times in our lives we are praying and praying and praying for something and then God comes through and we get that. And then we find ourselves a couple seasons later complaining about that thing that God gave us. And as I asked myself that question, I started thinking about my kids who I spent hours and days and dollars and tears and everything to have the three miracle babies that I have. But then I find myself on a weekly basis, on a weekly basis saying, why God did you give me these ones? <laughs> the one that doesn't wanna eat his dinner. The one that doesn't want to go to bed. The one that says, mom, every three seconds. Mom, mom, yes, yes, Merrick. Yes, Merrick. Mom, I need something when you're trying to put them to bed. Mom, I need something. Okay, God, thank you for giving me these three incredible children. Or why think about the times when I was on my knees begging God to give me ministry. <laughs> Anyone been in that boat before? God, I just want to serve your house, Lord. Please, I just want to help build the kingdom. Lord, I want my full-time job to be ministry. And then years later, under the stress and the pressure of ministry saying, why did you put all this responsibility on me? I'm not called for this. I can't do this. People are stressful. Why do they think they need my answers? Don't they pray to you? <sighs> Complaining. Find myself complaining. We're about to get a new incredible house. It's a miracle God story that we'll be telling you all about in the near future. But I found myself in moments of going, I've just show my house again today. I have to clean up all this stuff. I have to sell my house. And then I have to buy new furniture. Ugh. Like complaining again, God's trying to get something to me and I'm complaining my flipping way out of it. I don't know how many of you can relate. And my question to us tonight is, could our, could our complaining be cutting off or hindering the miracles that God's trying to get to us? The revelation is that anything you and I pray for is something that we are going to have to maintain and take care of. Think about the things you're praying for right now, the miracles that you're expecting God to do. God's gonna bless me with a new incredible miracle home, but I have to take the steps and make the faith moves and move and pack and do all the things it takes me to get into that miracle house. And so the title of my message tonight is three ways to not be a resentful, ungrateful, entitled turd. <laughs> oh 
gosh, they used emojis? <sighs> Slightly embarrassing. <sighs> Slightly. I did not ask for that. For the record, did not ask for turd emojis. <sighs> oh, there's happy ones too. <laughs> okay. Come on. Okay, number one. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all if you don't have something nice to say. So I was writing this message, like starting Sunday, Monday, I already had it kind of in my head, I'm writing it, and then I'm like, shoot, I gotta actually do this. And I literally did it barely even talk on Monday. <laughs> I don't know if my husband noticed, but because I was laboring on this point, most of Monday. <laughs> and Joyce Meyer and I had also gone on a walk together Monday. <laughs> she was in my ears, earbuds. I got convicted, so convicted to where I almost couldn't say many words Monday. Then come Tuesday, I'm like getting a little better, but then I was also preaching today, so then there was a level of stress and I had to really control my attitude. But if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. So I remember when my husband and I were first dating and we walked outside and it was cold. It was like probably 55 degrees. Okay, that's cold to me. I'm from Texas, people. I wanted to say the word freezing, but I know you'd laugh at me. It's 55 degrees. Um, and I said, I, we walked out, we were with Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, it's like 15 years ago. And I'm like, Burr, it's cold. And he's like, would you stop complaining? And in my head, I'm, or actually out loud, I said, I'm not, I'm just saying what it is. It's cold. But I learned from that in that moment that actually my words were giving power to the feeling that I was have. And I actually didn't need to say that. And I know it's such a simple little thing and it's not a sin. It's not a sin that I said that it was cold. But if you're coming from a frame of reference where you're so sensitive, like my husband is to negative people and negativity, then you would realize that actually that could be complaining. And all I was doing though was justifying how I was feeling and justifying the way the weather felt. But that made me realize what things are we justifying with our words and then saying, well, it's true. Well, it's true. And I find myself doing that too often when I say something and then my husband, if he's around, quickly corrects me. If he's not around, the Holy Spirit corrects me. He usually gets in there before the Holy Spirit, but <laughs> if he's not around, then the Holy Spirit corrects me within moments. And I realized, I'm like, wow, I totally just justified that. I should be speaking life. I should be speaking faith. I should be speaking positive. I should be saying what I want to feel and hear and see. Everything that we do either builds, reinforces, or dismantles networks of neurons in our brains. If we are feeling resentment in traffic, never done that. <laughs> on the way here, complaining about a coworker or spinning your, in your head about a problem outside of your control, then you're practicing these things and you're going to get better at them. See, oftentimes we cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we, we respond to what happens. And we have to really catch ourselves if we start to get into a place where we have a negative attitude about our situation because we potentially, through our complaining and through our words, can make it worse. See, the natural human spirit without the Holy Spirit will always drift towards the negative. 
You think about when babies come out, they don't have to practice crying. They don't have to practice throwing tantrums. They don't, kids don't have to practice whining. Kids don't have to practice complaining. It's just natural. It's just a natural human instinct. And so if we're not consistently under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit and surrendering, surrendering to the Holy Spirit, we will find ourselves in a natural default of negativity and complaining. In the Bible, there's the Israelites. They're most well-known for a few things, but complaining. Complaining is one of them. The Bible gives us a lot to learn from what to do and what not to do. And the Israelites are one of them. In the Bible, we read about how the Israelites complained, whined, and wailed, and it made God angry. He had just delivered them from slavery, and they still complained that it was better in Egypt. Numbers 111 said, Now the people complained about their hardships of hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Numbers 11.33, But while the meat was still between their teeth, and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. See, God saw the Israelites complaining after he, they had just been delivered from a place of slavery. They're complaining because it wasn't as comfortable. See, when God's trying to take us into something, we step outside of our comfort zone into something that might not feel natural, might not feel comfortable. The old is comfortable, but the new is better. And we have to be so, so careful that we don't get ourselves stuck in a complaining spirit like the Israelites, because that's what we will become is stuck there. Even after the plague, we find them whining again. Skip down to Numbers 14, 1 to 8. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. They'd rather die. They'd rather die. How sad is that? Or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Oh my goodness, how sad is that? Moses and Aaron fell face in, face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered. Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jupiter, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes because they were so upset and said to the Israelite assembly, the land we pass through is explored and is exceedingly good. See, they spoke life. They were so saddened by the Israelites' attitude and complaining. They were saddened, they tore their clothes. And what they did is they prophesied. The land we pass through is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God is trying to get us into our promised land, into our milk and honey, our place where he's trying to provide for us, bring miracles. But sometimes we get stuck in the place of having an attitude and grumbling because we're outside of our comfort zone and what we know as our day-to-day normal. Amen. What situation do you have yourself trapped in because you keep complaining about the very thing that God has brought to you or is trying to get to you? The Israelites could not get out of their situation because of their complaining. And even scarier, if you skip down a little bit, Numbers 14, 28 says, so tell them, this is the Lord, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Are there things that are coming out of our mouths in a complaining spirit that we need to catch before it hits the airwaves for God to hear? Because God is doing what we're saying. If we are complaining more than praising, then we need to catch our words and maybe just shut our mouth for a season. Maybe take a fast from talking 
If our talking is not used to glorify God and praise God, then fast from it. If you can't think of positive things to say, then don't say it at all. Humility is the foundation of thankfulness. If we are complaining, then what's happening is we think that we deserve something better than what is currently our situation. And so if we can gain a spirit of humility and we can thank God for what he's doing, we're gonna see miracles come to pass that honestly, sometimes our miracles can happen simply through the power of our words and our thanking God and our gratitude and our praise for what he's doing. Amen. Yay, turn the prize up. Okay, number two. So serious in here. Trying to make this funny and light and fun. I totally, rule number two, have fun. I totally practiced this preach in my head and thought the whole time this is gonna be so fun. Okay, so fun. Number two, this part's even fun too. Deal with past traumas. Deal with past traumas. Deal with past traumas. So, this happened, we were, I was swimming with my almost three-year-old in the pool the other day. And we were at the pool for like an hour. And I, I had his life vest on and I'm just watching him run around, swim, do his thing, have fun with his brother and sister. And I'm relaxing, laying out, getting some sun in Arizona because the sunshine and 90 degree weather exists there. And <laughs> that wasn't a complaint. Just speaking the positive. <laughs> And at the end of the pool session, like a few minutes left, we're all getting wrapped up. I'm like, Merrick, let's practice your swimming because I know he's been in swim lessons every week. So he says, okay, and we take off his life vest and I put him on the step and I go two steps back and I say, Merrick, swim to mommy. And he literally jumps in and he full swims to me like a pro swimmer. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can swim? How did I not know that you could swim? I knew he had lessons every week. I knew that he was getting better. I just didn't know this kid could actually swim. And then he did it over and over. And I'm like, Matt showed up at the pool and I'm like, babe, look, Merrick can swim. He's swimming. Oh my goodness. And everyone's like looking at me like I'm this crazy mom. Like there's all these people at the pool and I'm like freaking out that my child can swim. The revelation I had later was two years ago at the river, we were, we were tossing him in the water and we had an, an incident happen where I, I dropped him over to my husband who was right there. I was, we are not irresponsible parents. This was so responsible. <laughs> but he was so small. He definitely couldn't swim in this time, but we were just playing catch with him. So I was on the boat and my husband was in, I didn't say that right. My husband was in water about this high. It was so shallow. It was shallow, but... <laughs> It wasn't waist high, babe. They're gonna call CPS. It was this high. And so he's tossing me, or I'm tossing him Merrick. Well, Maverick, my son, so Merrick was probably two and Maverick was probably six. And Maverick goes, mom, can I toss him? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so he takes Merrick and tosses him to dad. But when I was tossing him, like, length's distance where Matt could catch him, but, but Maverick just goes and dropped straight down. So the current's going under the river and I see Matt's face and he goes, where's Merrick? And you can't see, the water's murky. Merrick was right here 
floating between, or sorry, going, not floating, going between his legs to where Matt grabbed him and picked him up and he was there. It was like a one second thing. It was that fast. But it also could have been really bad that fast. And I realized I had a trauma. So I realized I had a trauma that day because I would not let Merrick take his life vest off. And I completely ignored the fact that he almost could swim up until this moment where I saw it with my own eyes and the fear and the trauma was released. But this trauma was something in my life where I was sitting at Fearless Conference texting my husband about the pool fence. Hello, I'm sitting at Fearless Conference in fear that my kid's gonna drown because we're showing the house and the pool fence is not up. And so I had a revelation. I'm like, how many of us are living with traumas that we're masking as just being um, sensitive or responsible parents, because I'm like, I'm just being a responsible mom checking on my kid. My husband texts me back, babe, focus on conference. Merrick is safe. I'm like, okay, of course he is. But I realized we can, come, we can have, whether it's macro or micro trauma, traumas that we can carry along, carry along, carry along, that can hold us back from what God's trying to get to us and get through us. Because here I was walking around this, with this little trauma and I was seeing things through this lens of fear everywhere I went with my little mare mare. And I saw it and I started to reflect on it and I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been fearful about anything happening with this kid more than I ever was with my other two. But it was in that moment I was like, oh my gosh, we have to watch and make sure that we deal with our past traumas. It can keep us out of being able to praise God for what he's done and what he's doing. So let's take off our life vests and let go of our fear. See, no one has a perfect life and we live in a fallen world. So we all have hurts, disappointments, and letdowns. And I found in my own life that even traumas that have happened 30 years ago, that it's like an onion. It's like an onion where each layer, you're ready to deal with something different. And last time I walked into, only about six months ago, our counselor, Brian, I walked in, I'm go, please don't tell me this is another daddy issue. And he just like smiled like, well, it might be. And I'm like, flip. All right, here we go again. Here we go, God, take care of my issues, please. And so if we don't regularly keep an awareness and an open heart for healing in our action, our actions, our attitudes, and our words will reflect this. And it becomes harder and harder to have a grateful outlook. Anytime we enter into a place where our emotions take over, our emotions get fear, angry, um, controlling any of those emotions, if you're seeing those, those are red flags to something deeper and deeper rooted that needs to be dealt with so that you can enter into thanksgiving with the Lord, our Savior. And I was, I was definitely feeling a block between being able to access God and access the things of God and hear from God before I could deal with, before I dealt with any of these micro or macro traumas. And what it does, if we don't deal with them, it gives the enemy power. It gives the enemy power into our life. The best way to take back the power from the enemy is to praise God and thank God. Praise God and thank God. Even for the people that hurt you. 
even for the circumstances and situations that hurt you and those that have hurt you. See, there's, there are people in my life from my upbringing in my childhood, I've had to say, thank you, God, for this person. Forgive them. I forgive them. Thank you for them. Thank you for what I learned from them. Thank you for what has happened because it's taught me things. It's helped me become a better pastor. It's helped me become a better mom. It's helped me become a better wife. There is always something thank, to be thankful for in every situation and circumstance. The easiest way to defeat the devil is to give thanks to God. I want to read this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the good ones. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The next verse is so important. Do not quench the spirit. Essentially saying the spirit is quenched when we are not giving thanks in all circumstances. Whatever you're facing today, think of a way to be thankful for it. Think of a way to be thankful for it. It becomes easy to give thanks when our hearts are healed, but the first step is recognizing the hurt, dealing with it through deliverance and counseling and releasing forgiveness. And I know I'm only doing one point on this. Like this could be a 10 message series. Like this could be a full thing. But the reason I'm bringing it up here is because our church has the resources and the tools to help with all of this. I've been in our church for 15 years. I've gotten all the deliverance. I've gotten all the counseling. I've gotten all the pastoral care appointments. I've got all the prayer. I've got all the worship, which is why I told my counselor, I'm like, I've dealt with this. I've done this for 15 years. Nope. It's another layer around the onion. So if there's another layer that you need to deal with tonight in order to access God and to be thankful and have a grateful heart, then deal with it tonight. Ooh, I better wrap up. Okay, um, let's put up this little chart that the media team made for me because they spent a lot of time on it and I want to use it because it's powerful and they spent a lot of time on it. Oh, thank you. That was not in my notes at that point, but that's good, thank you. Okay, uh, gratitude in the brain. Gratitude in the brain. So my husband taught at staff meeting this morning and he said something powerful to start. He talked about how the brain does not recognize pain as different types of pain. It just recognizes it as pain. So it's emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain. It's all the same pain in the brain. And so the body deals with it and responds by breaking down the body. Any pain breaks down the body. And that's why it's so important to heal and deal with our hurts. And so gratitude in the brain, Wires and fires neural connections to the bliss center, fosters cognitive restructuring by evoking positive thinking, yes, enhances dopamine and serotonin and the neurotransmitters responsible for happiness, reduces fear and anxiety by regulating the stress hormones. Come on. So gratitude and thankfulness and praising God has so much more power than I think we give it. When we come into church on a Wednesday, when we come into church on a Sunday, do we bring our praise and our, our prayers and our praise to the house of God to uplift the atmosphere? Or do we sit there and wait for the worship team to tell us what to do? If you come into church every service expecting and ready and willing to thank God and make that a space and a time where you can take everything, cast your cares on the Lord and praise him for what he's doing, I promise your life will change. Okay, good chart, guys. Here we go. So at the end of this, we are going to have ministry time, and I encourage any of you, and we have men's and women's prayer, where any of these things can be dealt with, and we can talk, and we can help get you on the right track to deal with past and or current hurts. Amen. Number three, 
and I'm going to be wrapping up soon. So why don't we? Amen. Okay. Give thanks and praise habitually. Give thanks and praise habitually. So you guys, I hope when you got in, when you came in, you got a card with um, some words on it. And as I'm kind of wrapping up, I want you to write on that card and try to listen and write if you can. I want you to write at the top, it says miracle. And below it has three lines. And I want you to write three things that you're grateful for. Because if you can focus on the things you're grateful for, you will see that miracle come to pass. And I was challenged as this message series started, I was challenged myself until Thanksgiving to every day focus on three things I'm thankful for and thank one person daily, whether via text or note card or phone call or in person. So every single day, and I challenge you to do the same. It could be past Thanksgiving, but for me, I'm gonna get to Thanksgiving and see. I mean, I might have too many miracles flowing and I might have to slow it down. But, but we're gonna start it tonight with this card. We're gonna start it tonight with this card and I want you to take it home. And if you can't think of things you're grateful for now, that's okay. Take it home and pray to God and He'll show you three things you're grateful for. And I'm only asking for three. And also believe for the miracle that you write at the top. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do you notice before presenting your requests to God, it says with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The amplified version of that scripture says, be thankful and say so. And that's why I was so convicted to tell at least one person a day something I'm thankful for, for who they are, for something they did, and thank them. And I wanna do it, I want to say so. The word thanks is in the Bible 116 times and 73 times it says to give thanks. So God obviously knows that this is important. This is important for us as Christians to be able to give thanks. You know, King David gave thanks seven times a day. Think of all the things that he went through. Think of all the battles. Think of all the the sin. Think of all the issues he had. And yet he still found time to give God thanks seven times a day. See, Daniel was threatened with the lion's den, but the Bible says he had a habit. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he's done before. The Bible said it was a habit because once he was faced with this situation of getting thrown in the lion's den, he already before that got on his knees and gave thanks and prayed. And he still continued to do the same thing. So despite the circumstance, he was still thanking God. No matter what situation, sometimes our thanks and our praise is preempting a situation that the enemy is gonna try to bring to us that we don't even know about. But because you've sown so much thanks and so much praise into the ground, your fruit and your harvest will be supernatural protection from the enemy that's coming at you. Can we decide to be thankful despite the circumstances like these mighty heroes in the Bible? First Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. 
And I wanted to pull that one out because that's why I decided for my own self and I encourage and challenge each one of you to do the same during this message series is to thank one person a day is because the Bible calls us to edify and build up each other. As Christians, we are each other's helpmates. We are each other's counterparts. We are on the same mission and purpose to build the kingdom together. And how nice is it to hear something nice from our friend or our coworker or even a stranger? So we wanna thank each other, build one each other, one another up. And I just wanted to say this one thing. I started using TY on uh, my messages. When someone like did or said something, I say TY for thank you. I even got convicted about that. I'm like, how unthoughtful are you? TY, you can take any more energy and write the whole word with an emoji. So I even stopped doing that. I'm telling you, this message was written for me. The Lord just used it and wanted me to preach it tonight. And my husband's really happy about it. And all I'm going to hear for the next few days is, remember when you said, babe? Remember when you preached that message? Can you pull it out right now? He's the best ever. Come on. As I come to an end, I wanted to pull out one last story that's found in the Bible. And this is Jehoshaphat is being attacked and told he's going to be attacked by three armies. And I guarantee you there are people in this room that have three or more battles you're facing, three or more situations and circumstances that you're praying for. But I wanna pull out what Je how Je Jehoshaphat responded. Initially, he responded in fear. Initially, he was a human, like all of us. Initially, he responded in fear. So he called a fast and then God spoke to him and said, this is not your battle. And how many of us tonight need to look at those three armies and those three enemies running towards us, trying to tear us down, take us out, keep us out of church, keep us out of friendships and relationships. How many of us have those that we need to be reminded that this is not our battle? This is not our battle. Yes, are we supposed to be strong and courageous and stand up for what's right and speak the truth? Yes. But does that mean you lose sleep over it at night? Does that mean you become angry and depressed and you let your health go and stop working out and all the things that God called you to do to rebuild your temple and keep yourself healthy and happy? Do we let those battles and the enemy take us out? This is what just Jehoshaphat did. He heard from the Lord, this is not your battle. The Bible says he bowed down and worshiped. And I wanna read the scripture in... Second, Chronicle, Second Chronicles 20, 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. If you skip down to 21, it says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise to him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, and this is what they were singing and saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. If you have three, two, one, any or more battles in your life, sing and say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It's amazing what happened after that in verse 23. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. 
His enemies got so confused because he was worshiping and singing. He gave the battle to the Lord. He was thanking God. He, they could, the enemy could not even comprehend what in the H-E double hockey six was going on over there. They started to kill each other. So how much more does God want our little demons that are trying to run us off of life to get together and kill each other and confuse the heck out of those little demons need to be confused killing each other. Let them mess with themselves. They don't want you to mess with us. Those little demons and devils can run away and go, go back to hell. In Jesus' name. So I want to encourage us tonight to shift our focus to Thanksgiving. And over the next few weeks, let's see what God does in our life. We can see the miraculous happen. We can see devils defeated. We can change the state of our health. We can change the state of our mind. Watch what God can do. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.